Welcome to another great episode of After the Season Podcast with your girl, JC. That'd be me. I appreciate you all for rocking out with us for season one. Uh, this is going to be our final episode of season one, but we are excited about where this podcast has gone. And it's all because of you. We appreciate the engagement, the reviews, the likes, the comments, the shares, uh, the subscriptions. It's been organic. Like, and the one thing I love about this is that we have not put no marketing dollars in this. This is just purely just to see if you want this content. So we thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, today, I figured we should end off with a bang. And why not end off with a female? And this young lady, I put a post up. And I said, you know, I'm, I got a couple of slots open um, before we close out this season. And she was like, yo, Jay, I, I got to come on. I got to come on. Like, I got a story. I was like, I bet. Let's go. Let's get it done. And uh, now she is sitting here in the yellow chair. Marquia Beckwith, what's up? What's up? How y'all feeling? Oh, my goodness. I'm good. I'm glad to have you here because (laughs) it's nothing like being able to sit down with another hooper. Another hooper that was a dog. Star 2-3 God, you feel me? Out of Digital Harbor, you feel me? She had that, she had that, you had, you had, you had a little, I just said a few things, you know what I'm saying? I got to do my homework because we can't just bring any and everybody on here. Right, right, right. Can't just bring any and everybody on here because at the end of the day, this is a platform that allows people to get the real, right? And, and see, and obviously um, what we've been able to put out, you know, attracted you to want to be able to come and share your story. But as we were trying, it's so crazy. I want to make sure that we give the backstory on this because as we were trying to get you on. It was so many different things that happened and we had to reschedule a million times just to make sure this happened. So that means that your story really, really is super, super dope. So uh, I want to, I want to start where what you're doing now, because I think that is super important. Um, you have an organization called NBC, uh, no, not to be uh, uh, infringed upon, okay? Uh, natural born champions um, you developed and you do a lot of enrichment programs and you have kids all over East Baltimore and, 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 and just being able to come back in your hometown and really, really give back without worrying about uh, how people would look at you. Why, why did you want to do this, especially at home? Hmm, my why? So... When I grew up in Baltimore, well, as I grew up in Baltimore, I always, like, looked at life differently. Mm-hmm. I always knew I was different. Yeah. Um, I was always the smartest kid in class. Come on now, talk yeah. that talk now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then I was hanging out with knuckleheads mm. all the time. And one of my teachers, actually my sixth grade uh, American education teacher, she said, how do you do it? How do you get the grades you get, mm-hmm. but then hang around the crowds you hang around. Mm. I was like, I'm not sure. They're just fun. They lit. Like, <laughs> it's not my fault they can't pass. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, but then I also noticed, you know, after I graduated high school, that those lit friends, they still weren't on the same pathway as okay. I was. Talk you know? that. Talk so that. I'm like, I want to go to school. I want to get educated. You know, I want to do great things. I don't know what I'm, I'm gifted at, but I know I'm talented to do something. Yeah. Um, and so when I graduated college, I came back and saw the same thing. Like these, these kids are still on the same pathway of just nothing, like a dark, 
road. And it's just like the cycle of just you like, spicy uh, already. You know? <laughs> and so I was like, what can I do to help this? Because they're still my friends. I never would turn my back on people that just genuinely love me Facts. for like who I am. They never shame me for like being a nerd or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just was like, I want to give back. I want to help those folks, those kids that were just fixing dirt bikes or riding dirt bikes mm-hmm. all the time or just playing pickup under the Madison Square Dome right. or, you know, Emerson Village. We used to hoop all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back to those communities and just trying to figure out, like, how can I help? And I yeah. know, like, I connected with them through sports, right. basketball. Um, and then just using my intellect, my intelligence, I was like, well, if y'all like, like sports or recreational activities, I can build a center for you where we can have those programs where I can put you on a productive roadway. It's the ownership so, for me. Yeah, so it was always like, how can I help? I was yeah. always like, I had that mentality, like how can I fix things for the people I love? So It's interesting you say that because as uh, there's a lot of, we, we try to make this platform as family-oriented as possible, so let's keep this edited too, because I know we <laughs> it could get spicy. But, you know, the as we try to make sure that the kids understand what it is, you said something that still happens to this day. Like, I got to be in the in crowd, even though I'm the smartest one. Like, I know what I'm doing really ain't what I should be doing. Because, I mean, you was book smart, but, I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes we ain't really got the common sense at the time because we just trying to be really, really popular. Like, but we knew that there was a greater goal in it. Uh, Why do you think you were connected in an area of, Wanting to be around those people outside of the popularity and things of that nature, uh, because being from Baltimore, you know, environment is everything. But why do you think that you was you just didn't want to stray away from those types of people in the beginning? Well, when you look at like that population, they're lacking in a couple areas. One is just like love. Like genuine, pure love. Facts. And if they can feel someone like that, just want to genuinely help them, mm-hmm. they're going. They're the ones that's going to help you expand in whatever you want to do. Yeah. Because it's more of them than it is of me. Right. So if I can just just be pure and genuine in who I am mm-hmm. and connect and stay connected to those folks, I know I'm always going to be growing. I'm always going to grow. Yeah. And I'm going to always try to look for those kids who are just like me. They just need to be pulled out. Um, and that's my job. Like, yeah. that's just what I look for. I look for those kids who, who are like me and who aren't because yeah. I want to grow. I yeah. want to grow. I want more people with that mindset that, hey, as you climb, you have to pull. You can't just go up by yourself. Yeah. Um, and when you think of, like, the African-American community, a lot of us just like to climb and forget where they come from. Mm. But we got to go back for those folks because that's what's going to keep you elevated. She's spicy already. Yeah. I'm sorry. She's spicy. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we you you was a star guard, two guard and three guard, which means between being able to ball be off ball, you was putting up shots and you can get to the cup because that's what the two and the three means. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna put this in layman terms. All right. Yeah. So playing basketball as female athletes, we know for a fact that when we were playing, even till this day, it couldn't have been about the money. Because we didn't see it. Uh, I, I said uh, on, on an episode before, and I talk about it all the time, I remember my mom one time, she brought home the article of Lisa Leslie, and at the time she was the highest paid athlete in the league, and that was at like maybe $146,000 mm-hmm. with endorsements from Nike. <laughs> like her salary in the league was like $68,000 mm-hmm. in 1996. Um, for you playing basketball, what did it, two things, 
what did it do for you and what did it save you from? Mm. One, I went to a PWI. Okay. So completely different scene. Okay. Um, I was the, I think, maybe two out of, I don't know, 16 girls on a basketball, African-American girls, black girls. So it was only two of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would have survived. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I thought that. And um, as we were talking before this, I was a walk-on. So right. these girls found me in intramurals, and it was like, we, you got to play with us. You got to play with us. <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, I just came here to get, you know. Get a little bump in. Get a little bump in. <laughs> get my degree and get out. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> That's yeah. That's yeah. what I wanted to do. Um, but I want to say, like, that squad saved me from a lot. Like, it saved me from, like, that the mentality that, I don't fit in, like I don't belong here. Because mm-hmm. I do. I would compete with you on this court and off the court. So did you play in high school? I did play in high school. So at Digital Harbor? Yeah. Okay, what were, what were you like in high school? Like, you, you know, give, give talk to me. Talk to me a little heavy. Talk your high talk school, real quick. High school. High school, I was I was real quiet. I was reserved. A lot of girls, um, they're still my sisters today. Okay. Um, But we definitely butted heads when we first started. Okay. Just because, like, I did have, like, that, that swag with me, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I might be quiet or just like I had a two a two parent household. Like yeah. I, I was privileged right. as I grew up. Um, but then I went to Digital Harbor where mm. they came from anywhere. Like yeah. these girls were dogs, as you yeah. could say. And we just clicked because I'm just like, hey, I I want to win. I'm a competitor. Like whether I come from this household or not, like right. I want to win. And so what saved me with being around that crowd, it just gave me some grit, like a lot of grit. Like mm. hey. You don't have to, like, seclude yourself. Got it. You know, like, you can insert yourself in any area, even if, like, these girls are, like, from a different background. Yeah. Like, these, are, this is still your family. When you're on that court, you only got four other girls with you. That's it. And you got had her back. And so that definitely, like, gave me a different perspective on just, like, how I treat people, like, just, like, not being, like, so standoffish. Mm-hmm. Just, like, really being, like, open. Like, I don't have to be closed off. Um, and that definitely translated into like college. Like I said, like being a, once again in a crowd where I just didn't feel like I belong, but I right. was like, no, I do. Cause I'm a competitor. So you, you mentioned that you were, you know, you're come, you come from a, a two parent household. Um, you know, I, I know I, I come from one and I, and, and you talk about privilege. We don't hear a lot about black privilege. Mm. Uh, we don't talk a lot about black privilege because it does exist. Yes. And and unfortunately, it's in the socioeconomic part of it where coming from a two-parent household is looked at like, yo, like, you winning mm. because we don't see it as often. Um, and oftentimes, people like that, they get teased yeah. from other people because they wish they had it. Did you ever go through any type of... Um, not I want I want I don't want to use the word bullying, but for for safe space, like for bullying or argumentative type of situations in high school, because you had that type of dynamic. Um, no, because like my parents were just mad cool. Like the girls okay. would come over my house, yeah. and my dad, like to this day, like those are his daughters too. Right. You know? Ain't it funny how they yeah. the community parents at all times? <laughs> it's like the two parent household become the community parents. <laughs> Yeah, so we all were privileged. Like yeah. I said, like I had to stay connected so yeah. we could grow. Were you okay with sharing? I was okay with sharing. Because, you know, some people, they'd be like, 
I was I want to say because um, I, w- I am the only child between my biological parents. Okay. But then I had siblings. Got it. And then I had a stepsister. So I'm like, I was kind of forced into sharing at an early age. <laughs> so, I, you know. I got it. I got uh-huh. it. So they've been, the, they've been the community parents yeah. for a while. <laughs> I get it. Right. I get it. I get it. Okay. So coming out of, so out of high school, um, you got a few championships under your belt. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, talk about your senior season. And I want to go to your senior season because it's some people quit mm-hmm. in high school. Like they like, oh, okay, I did it. Had an extracurricular activity. Great. Right. Some people, of course, coming from out of Baltimore, it's a safe space. Keeps you off the streets at night. You ain't, and you already were saying you was the smart kid, but you was hanging with the wrong crowd. Um, basketball can be used as an outlet, especially for women in high school. What were your, do you remember your stats? I never was like the offensive player. I okay. was a defensive player, so I was checking. The oh, you did the dirty always. work. Yeah, I did the dirty work, but I always started like they. I was like wanted and needed on the court. Got it. Um, and so don't that feel good? It it does. It does. Like I didn't have to do much because we had leading scorers in the city on our team, so I mm. didn't have to do that part. Um, so I just knew my role. Yeah. Come on now. Listen, <laughs> it's the, for me, it's like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a humbly flex for me. <laughs> like, this is what it is. I love it. So you said you walked on though. Yeah. So, but you had the two leading scorers, but you did the dirty work and the dirty work can't be, it don't show up on stats. Mm-hmm. Were you not recruited or how did that happen when you came from out of high school? Mm, so I was looking at Ivy League schools because I had the academics. So I was looking at Princeton, Columbia, Yale. Yeah, I was I was looking at and you IV. out here trying to go to Stanford with yeah. Tara Vandermeer and stuff. <laughs> I just was like, "Hey yo. See y'all on the other side." <laughs> yeah, and the coach um at Columbia was recruiting me heavy. And I was like, "I don't want to be in New York. Oh, it's too busy." I was like, "I kind of want to stay home or if I do, I want to go far away from home. Like yeah. stay home or get all the way away from home." Um, and then, yeah, they left like my senior year. So I was like, dang, that kind of pretty much dropped my Drop basketball yeah. <laughs> career. Um, and so I had to do a lot of like college visits, like the last couple weeks of, of high school. And then when summer ki- kicked in, I was like, dad, I still don't have any scholarships, but I got accepted to a lot of schools. Wait, but what was your GPA? I had a 4.0. Ain't no way. Hold yeah. on. Wait, 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 like, wait, wait. Off of basketball. Yeah. They were not giving me any scholarships basketball it was just they wouldn't even give me scholarships for my academics they were just accepting me yeah. wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute, yeah. wait, 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 wait. that's my story wait so you have a you had a 4.0 gpa yes you were doing all the dirty work on the basketball court yep you have national and regional championships yep and you weren't recruited nor given academic scholarships hmm. okay let, let me let me go in this side where <laughs> what was the relationship like with your coach in high school that definitely was like my second dad. Uh, he was just, I got hurt too. I was injured okay. from my sophomore year all the way up to my senior year. I dislocated my shoulder. I had to get surgery. Okay. So I wasn't confident in myself anymore. Um, it was just a lot of like mental battles with Ooh, me. how did you rebuild? Ooh, uh, I want to say I didn't fully rebuild until my senior year when I was like, I got to c- take control over what I want. Mm. Because three years, four years, I flew by. Facts. Yeah, and I'm just like, well, what am I going to do? And I really just took control. Like, this injury isn't going to stop me. So I worked harder than ever 
Mm-hmm. Um, with my dad, four o'clock in the morning. With my coach, five o'clock in the morning. I was like, I gotta get in these schools. Like, I don't care where I go. I just I want to be in somewhere. Like, yeah. I want to be educated. Like, that's all I was worried about. My dad always told me, like, use basketball. That's your tool to get yeah. to those schools. It's the vehicle, yeah. Yeah, but then once that tool was ineffective, mm. um, it kind of, like, shot my pride a little bit. I was just about to ask because, I mean, you know, it was your – it seemed as though your goal was just to go to school academically, but then it became, like, all right, well, Dad said basketball can help pay the way. Yep. Then now it's, like – the basketball part. So the transition for you kind of happened right in that space of leaving from high school into college. Had you mentally already like just carved out like, all right, I'm not playing ball at this yeah, point. Absolutely. How were you, what did you feel at that point? Honestly, because I was just so academically driven, I was like, wherever I go, I know I'm going to go off my academics. And so I was like, I'm just going to, brush this one off like the injury was one thing that shot my pride I was like the not getting into the schools I wanted to get into shot my pride so I was just tired of like being disappointed or like mm. expecting that disappointment so I just was like I'm gonna just let God do his thing wow so he led me to this little old school in Salem Virginia um and like I said by the grace of God I was there and they helped me find that scholarship money and so I really Praise them. Like, and you went to Roanoke University, right? Roanoke College. Roanoke College. And being there, you said it was it's a PWI. Um, I've actually been to Salem, Virginia before. It ain't nothing there. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> Nathan. Um, and matter of fact, I think when I was going there, it was a bunch of mountains. Yep. Kind of tree-ish and um, no signal for a couple of miles. <laughs> <laughs> so I already know. And it's cold. And it's cold. Ooh. When it gets cold, to be down in the valley. It's yep. like nothing there. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. why are we here? Yep. Uh, and, and so I, I've experienced, you know, the atmosphere at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think for me, the, the question is, how did you, out of all places, end up there? Actually, it was the first school that I have applied to just because I liked a couple of their education programs. Okay. I always wanted to be a teacher or either a pediatrician. Wow. So I was like, I really like their programs, and it set me on a pathway to teach immediately after I graduated. Okay, okay. Um, and so I visited them, I want to say, like, maybe three weeks before college started mm-hmm. or school was supposed to start back mm-hmm. up. I met with the coach. She was just a short old white lady. (laughs) And she just greeted me just with a hug. Like, just met this lady. And I was like, she's just so sweet. I was like, Dad, I think I want to come here. (laughs) I was like, you sure? (laughs) You're like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? But before that, we visited Cheney in Philly. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is like Morgan. Hey, yo, wait, wait. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Because when we talked, when we first started, okay, okay, wait a minute now. So were you, un- let, I got to ask this, because there are a lot of people that are just like us, that are African-American, that mm-hmm. are very, very turned off by the HBCU experience. Ooh, yeah. Were you one of those people that was turned off by the HBCU experience? Yeah, they were cooking out, grilling as soon as we pulled up just for the college visit. It was people smoking outside. I was like, Dad, I just don't think I'm going to make it here. Like, because then I'm by myself. I don't really have my parents to, like, be there. 
I'm just like, nah, this this ain't the environment. Chad, I pulled up. Nah. I was like, we outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, no. Nah. I just, I needed to stay focused. Like, I get I it. I was on a mission, so I knew I wasn't going to thrive there. Wow. Yeah. So did you attribute, let, let, I'll ask this because, I mean, the HBCU experience is something that's, you can't, you can't quantify it whatsoever, but everybody's experience in every aspect that you can't quantify what you experienced at Rondo, like at all. Um, and, and your experience that you, you know, hold on to for dear life. I do the same thing when it comes to both of my HBCUs. I think for me, do you believe if you had learned more or knew more about the HBCU experience that it probably would have helped you understand culture more? Or do you think it was just, I'm big on academic. I ain't really worried about it. Let me just figure out how I can get to that space where I can make the bread. Because at that point, we talked about it, the WNBA won't pay in like that. So you yeah. really won't look in like, y'all I'm going to be a basketball player when I grow <laughs> up. Right. So do you think that that would have helped? Heck yeah. Because, um, you know, college visits, we just had Morgan, Coppin, um, we never visited like Towson, UB, Micah. Wow. Um, so we didn't get those experiences to like really experience different cultures. Got it. So like when Morgan was shot at you, then you had alumni that would tell you stories like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, safe sex. You know, they got stuff up there. I'm just like, hey, yo, it's a party school. And I'm just like, just from the stories, I'm just like, I'm kind of turned off. Just wow. Because, yeah. Like, I was just, I wanted to be focused. And I knew, like, at an early age, I could get easily distracted. And I didn't want that to happen in college, where I'm just like, no, like, this is a choice. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, high school, you're forced. But college is a choice. Yeah. I'm not here to waste nobody money. Yeah. I'm not here to waste nobody's time. Right. Um, and so I just didn't think a HBCU was, like, the right fit for me at Got the it. time. But if I knew more, like of the dynamic of an HBCU mm -hmm. and not just like those stories, mm -hmm. I think I definitely would have um, chose a different path. That's interesting because yeah. I'm always trying to find a way that we can utilize, you know, the, what is it that HBCUs don't do right by, by, by our people? Yeah. Because especially in the sports world, like for the longest, we dominated sports from the HBCU level because we couldn't go to a PWI. Yeah. So in a way it's, a level of privilege for us to go to PWIs, but I think more so more privilege to go to an HBCU because it was built and made for us I by us. That. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, and so I'm always curious to hear the experiences of a PWI because I mean, I know when I played ball, my dream school was Duke. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to Duke. I was, you couldn't tell me. I, we would go out of we would go out of town. You know when you go to the amusement park and they got the basketballs and then you shoot the basketballs. And yeah. everybody, I never went to any of the ones that didn't have a Duke basketball. Mm. And usually the ones that had like Chapel Hill would have a Duke ball because of the rivalry. Right. So it's interesting to hear, you know, when it comes when it comes down to it, like, yo, the PWI experience worked for you. I will ask, um, you know, you said something that I just want to make sure we get clarity on. The experience you said that they never, they only took you in, in the area, but they never showed you most of the schools. That, have you ever been on a college trip before Roanoke out of the city of Baltimore? No. Whoa. That's another thing that even my organization is trying to do. Like, we have to take kids outside of Baltimore to get them to see, like, different yeah. college campuses. I think that's extremely important. Yeah. Like I said, we only had Morgan come visit us. We never actually. So y'all never, never went. We never went to the Morgan State campus. Hey, yo, wait yeah. a minute. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. I was on the radio and I used to say, you know, at the end of the day, like there was a settlement that happened from HBCUs because they would only give the prerequisite classes at HBCUs but make you go take the actual course at PWIs. Wow. And so when they found the money, they, when they found that out, they were like fighting for like 10 years and, and all four Merlin HBCUs received over $500 million in back pay because of the money that was transitioned out from the universities that could have been sustaining there. Yeah. And now you have also killed the enrollment when it comes to it. So now it's like, and then they're not going to come back mm -hmm. to the HBCU when they've probably figured out their life by going to take this one class at a PWI that has been fortified to make sure that you win and win heavily Absolutely. at this situation. So, so, you know, I, 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 I'm definitely, you know, it's triggering, honestly, yeah. it's very triggering. Um, Man, you just you just said something that's crazy to me. Yeah. So now that you you went to Roanoke, you play. Um, did you play all four years? I played for three out of four years. Okay, because the first year you were on, you were doing intramurals. Yes. How, how was? And then they put, then they they walk up, they say, "Yo, you gotta come hoop with us." First day as a a college athlete, what's it like? So relaxed. I want to say it was easier in college than it was in high school. Why? Yeah, no, because I ain't had you that think of these girls, like basketball wasn't even really known in Roanoke. They were more like soccer and lacrosse. Yeah. Um. So like those girls knew exactly what they wanted to do after they graduated. Yeah. Some of them went to be scientists, hikers, and backpackers and <laughs> things of that nature. You know. I'm uh, weak. Yeah. So <laughs> they weren't too worried about winning, but I did like the the beast on the team. Mm -hmm. It was this girl from North Carolina and just country old thing. <laughs> so when I say she was a monster on the court, yeah, I think she. Brought Broke at least four to five records um, in that institution. Wow. Like she was a monster. And I stayed close to her because yeah. I wanted to, like, be like her. In, yeah, in yeah, some yeah. way. I'm just like, you just, you don't care. You, like, yeah. Yeah. Just getting like, it out the mud. Mommy of home. And I was like, that's what I miss. And I just wish some of these girls had that in them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, that walk on first season, um, it was a lot of headbutts just because I did look different. Right. Um, but then, I mean, I still had a personality where I'm, I'm easy to talk to mm -hmm. or I can just make a joke, get people to laugh or something. Um, and so once, like, they got comfortable with, like, just who I was, yeah. we flowed together. Got it. Um, so I, I want to say, like, I really miss my my team in yeah. college because, like, they were so welcoming. And then their parents made it easy, too. Wow. Like, hey, is Kia going home? She can come over for Thanksgiving. Like, she need anything. We got her. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not a charity case. I'm privileged. Hey, yo. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> they, but, but it'll make it, you feel it like that. feel like that. But I know it wasn't intentional. Right. Um, so I never took offense to that. Um, because they probably thought you didn't have that background absolutely. because that's the stereotypical you don't have the two-parent household things of that nature and if they never see your parents come to the game or they probably can't come because they have to work in order to make mm -hmm. certain things happen it's like oh you know we'll just make sure she's okay yeah. type of thing <laughs> and so you know like over time did they get to know your family to mm -hmm. so they got to see like Oh, she's very well taken I care of. Big family, you know, with the what was it like the senior game? Um, we had mm -hmm. I had all my family come out. It was like whoa, like big family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, whoa, she comes from a a big family. Yeah. Um, and so just watching them interact, mm -hmm. they talk they talk highly of me. They right. talk highly of me. Um, and then it just made my parents proud, and that was like that's my mission. Yeah, like, I really can make it in any environment. Yeah. So, so okay, do you remember what your workout schedule was? Because I remember mine to a T. 
he. Okay, preseason. Give me your give me your preseason schedule if you remember it. All right, five a.m. We had uh, conditioning. Okay. Uh, strength. Okay. And then six a.m. It was uh, conditioning. Okay. Um, and then we went to classes and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. As soon as you finish your last class, you're in practice. Yep. So we had practice for like two and a half hours, Monday through Friday, if we didn't have a game. Saturday mornings, we back in strength and conditioning. Um, and then we would do pickup like in between. Right. Um, on Sundays, we would have dinner together. Just a lot of team bonding. Yeah. But like I said, I don't think strength and conditioning was as intense mm. as high school. Yeah, nah. If you so, I had a strength and conditioning coach. Shout out to Coach P. Coach P. Yeah. She was insane. Look, she my height. About actually, she was shorter than me. She about five two, beating everybody up. Talking about you not lifting correctly. <laughs> Run. Run now, like I'm like yo. So Coach P, yo, but she she was she was the truth, and she were. Yeah. I mean, the same workout she put the guys through, she put the girls through. So we was going stupid with it. Mm. Uh, but the fact that you still remember it mean that it stayed with you. Give me the discipline that you got out of preseason training and, and basketball training. What did it? What did that you've been able to carry over into real life? Um, just like that self discipline, like nobody is forcing you to do this. Mm-hmm. So you have to make the choice to get better. Yeah. Um, and we had this very, he just was intense, like mm-hmm. his personality, his coach Sampson. Okay. He was the boys lacrosse team uh, okay. coach, head coach. And he would train us in the mornings and he actually just like, I want to work you out outside of this because you're like a horse out there. Like yeah. defensively, he said, I wish more girls had your grit. And that mm. really stuck with me. Like, oh, I'm just acting like I'm back at home oh. playing on, a, you know, the, <laughs> the black top and just enjoying myself. Like, I like to have fun. Yeah. Um, And I don't like to take it too serious because at the end of the day, it's a game. And I think I learned more off the court mm-hmm. than on the court. Um, And I think a lot of things that we learn off the court applies on the court. So right. if you're not learning off the court, you're really not effective or efficient mm. on the court. Um, and What's so the main thing that stuck out to you that you learned off the court while you're there? Ooh, off the court. Much, so much. Uh, be on time. Mm. <laughs> ding, 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 yeah, ding, ding. Because you will pay. Yes. Especially as be a student athlete. Time. Oh, my goodness. That's one thing he did not play. It's, it's 501. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. On the baseline. Yep. Yep. On the field. Yeah. On the stairs. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. See, you, yours was at 5. Yeah, we yeah. started at 430. Ooh. Stretching. We were sprinting at 5. Oh yeah, so we was I was up at four. We was in the gym by four thirty. Uh-huh. We were sprinting by five, <laughs> and that was conditioning. We yeah. still had strength on other days, like so. It was like conditioning was every morning, and then you had strength on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. So Mondays and Fridays, you already knew you was about to get double duty because you're not doubling up. Right. But that eight, but them eight a.m. classes was like, hey yo, what? I hated class right up. Hey, oh I need a nap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. first day after, it's so crazy. Yes. But I think now here's the question because we were talking about it, and with the um, NBA uh, uh, Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals happening right now, um, the Miami Heat is full of undrafted free agents. Yeah. If you think about it, that's a bunch of walk-ons in college. You were a walk-on in college. The underdog mentality is is what the Miami Heat has encapsulated at this point. Talk about what it feels like to be what we what they position as underdogs feels like undervalued. Ooh. Talk about how you felt. Ooh, undervalued. That's 
a touch. I want to say I was more, I wasn't, I didn't feel undervalued. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I wasn't pushed okay. to my potential. Got it. And that in return, like, I didn't maximize my value. Um, and that's what I wish I would have taken more. Um, I wish I would have taken more seriously in, you know, college. Yeah. Just because, like I said, that we were relaxed. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't really take ball serious. I'm like, no, like, I should have made that choice to you know, push myself right. um, so I can maximize my potential and really see my true value on the court. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I never I never felt like I was unappreciated mm-hmm. or, you know, I was overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, I We were, I was an underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always just naturally felt like I had something to prove. Cause, right. You know, being in the PWI atmosphere, it's mm-hmm. like, well, black girl walking on the court, you know? I'm already getting those type of right, looks. So right. I had to go out there and perform. Yeah. Even if that is just locking down your best player. Yeah. That was my potential. That was my value at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, but I just wish I would have just took it a little more serious and pushed myself. So yeah. I, you know, could have just maximized all that. How in college were you able to create a safe space for yourself? Because the importance of being able to have mental clarity, like you're, you were able to, and even post-college, because once you started, you, you had no intentions of playing. Right. And then when you start playing, it's like, okay, now I got to reinvigorate my mind real quick. Then when I'm done playing, it's like, all right, am I done or what do I do? So what was that transition period like for you making the decision to be like, all right, I played. Okay, great. Yeah, right. And then, like, now what do I do in life? Right. Um, so I always I, – I, I played around a lot with my courses. Okay. Like I said, I came in there trying to be a pediatrician. Me and chemistry, we just didn't have a connection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I just don't think the doctor field is for me in the medical field, so I'm yeah. okay. Yeah, I was um, cool with an honorary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, maybe I could teach doctors how to become doctors, right? Yeah. So, okay, so I took education. Um, yeah, I took an education minor because in Virginia you couldn't major in it. Um, but you t- still took double Ooh. the courses as if it was a major. That's interesting. And that's why Virginia probably has the best educational system in the world. Well, I'm sorry, in the state of, I mean, the United States. Hmm. Yeah. You believe that? No, it's, it's a fact. Their school system is 10 times, 100 times better than, yeah. Mm. Elizabeth City will have something to say about that in North Carolina. (laughs) 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 No, so so, but what is what was that? What was the transition like? Um, Because now you weren't even going to play. You didn't like. You was like, all right, whatever, cool. I'm just going to school. But now you didn't. You played, and then it was like, what was 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 your mental like? All right, here we go. Or did you ever have a moment where you was like, dang, is it really over? No, I was actually okay with it over like i said like because you never wanted to do it yeah i just played to like you know keep my brain going like, yeah never stop being busy and i always was like a goal setter so like what's the next goal set right. the next goal set the next goal so after season was over i'm like okay so what can i do like academically now? yeah i need to get involved i need to find some clubs right um and by me having that education minor i was able to go back in like those virginia communities yeah yeah and like be with the, the kids and actually help out at the centers and right. things like that yeah so like i always like had something else to do yeah um so like just playing ball it was just like something else to do i just mm. wanted to stay busy i got it yeah so you never had the dream of actually going to the league nah golly i, I did have a dream of coaching 
Yeah. You know, it's crazy because, so I tell everybody, uh, ownership is loading. That's dot, 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 right? Uh, because I didn't have an opportunity to play in college, like, legally, if you will. I was on multiple teams, but final roster making, different coaches changing, all these different things. It was like my life was built around me playing ball. Uh, my entire identity was wrapped into that orange round thing. And so by the time ball was forced for it to be over for me, I was in a situation where it was like I didn't know who I was anymore because without a basketball, without a jersey, it was like, what are we doing? Who am I? And so my entire, even my major was chosen to be based around my college schedule, around basketball, around life. My five, you know, back then we had five-year plans. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to graduate. <laughs> uh, I might pledge an organization. And then after that, you know, right. I'm going to go overseas I'm a, I'm, or I'm going to get drafted in the WNBA. I ain't really going to make no money, so that's why I'm going overseas. So I can go grab that bag real quick. Uh -huh. Never going over there now after what they did to BG. Then it's like, you know, it's the, it's the it was like, all right, cool. Once we do that, break some records, go coach, coach and become the next Pat Summit. And, mm. You know what I'm saying? Just become the best female coach there is. Give me about 500 wins. And then go coast on ESPN like Doris Burke or something. I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Robin Roberts or something before she went on to GMA. So, you know, it was one of them things where the whole thing was playing. I see. And so as those things were were transitioning off it was like yo my plan is failing now what do I do and so for to hear you say you know like yeah you know I was but you had the education piece of it and you said it like you wrapped everything that you were doing in your coursework back into the community and so where you are today with dealing with your your organization that you build out natural born champions NBC you were already pretty much building that out while you were in Roanoke absolutely did you, you saw it as you were saying things could change. Did you see it becoming to where it is today? No, not at all. Like I said, I just wanted to be a teacher and maybe do some programs in a school or yeah. something. But not where I'm a full-time entrepreneur actually doing this nonprofit work. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely like just God's plan. Talk about how it started. So what's the baseline of how you actually were able to build out NBC? Gotcha. Um, so I had a summer camp since I was 18. Okay. I had two kids, my little brother, my little sister. <laughs> and my, my parents, they said, well, if you can teach them how to read and write, they were only two years old, we will push your, your business next summer. <laughs> I was like, what? Come on, like, parents. Come on. I was like, come on, they not gonna listen to me. Like, I'm the oldest sister. I don't care what they do. Right, like, right, right, right. But I was like, no, I'm gonna take this serious because ain't they gonna pay me? I was like, this is my summer job. Hey yeah. now. And I work from home. So I was like, you don't get that. <laughs> she was on the work from home prayer before the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. Um, and so I just I took it serious. I started researching things, pulling stuff I did in school that, that semester or that year. Um, and I taught them from two years old. And I was like, dang, they're on like a preschool kindergarten level now. Wow. Like, wow. They wow. Knew everything, how to write their name. They knew stuff in space. Like they knew literally everything before they even got to 
school, like primary school. Wow. Yeah. So once I achieved that, it, it really came natural too. Yeah. I was like, dang, like this is kind of fun. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying seeing them like hit milestones. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I like this. And so my, my parents, of course, like they're excited because I was like, yeah, we don't have to do that much work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. We're at a level preschools probably couldn't get them to. Um, and so that next summer turned around, I had 12 kids. Then the, num- the next summer, I had 25. Then the summer after that, I had 40. Like, I just kept... Wait, 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 wait. We can't skip over. How are you getting these kids? Ooh, just word of mouth. Just word of mouth. But you started with just your brother and your sister, so... I, my parents said, I will push you, meaning they were asking co-workers, clients, customers, you name it. Uh, my daughter got a summer camp. My daughter got a summer camp. My daughter got a summer camp. It's real fun. And I want to say, like, up until age, like, 21, 22, like, after I graduated college and really could sit down with the summer program, yeah. I was like, we need a curriculum around this. Like, I don't know what I want to do, but maybe I can teach kids how to start their own businesses. And that's exactly what I did. So I just tried it one year where I was, like, exposing them to entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I was like, look, at the end of the summer when the program ends, y'all going to sell y'all products and services um, to the community. Oh, yeah. she got her own Shark Tank. This is insane. <laughs> no, I was thinking that. That's <laughs> nice. Called the Champ Tank. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. it. I like yeah. it. I like it. Okay. Okay. Keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I was like I said, I, I had a wide range of kids. So as early as two, as old as twelve years old, and I was like, if I can teach a two year old how to do this, imagine what a middle school kid. Right. Does. Right. Right. And so I was like, I have to build the. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but by me going through schooling, I was learning how to make lesson plans. I was learning how to mm. make activities engaging and fun. Yeah, and yeah. So traditional way yeah. to sit down and, and learn things. Um, everything is kinesthetic. Like, let's get up and learn. Like, let's learn anything. I said, if they learn something, I've done my job. Wow. I don't care what it is. Um, even if that's like how to cross the street. Wow. I've done my job. Um, and so once I was able to build that curriculum and teach them like, Hey, you can use what you know, and you can actually start your own business with anything. Like any, everything is a business around you. Yeah. Including yourself. Right. From the the name you wear, from the school you attend, Mm -hmm. everything is a business. Um, and so once they got the concept of like just transactions, like, Oh, I can sell stuff and I get money. Well, how can I make something better? Miss Kia. I was like, okay, I got you. And so that really sparked me because I'm like, if the, or if the kids are interested, I really have to push this. Like I said, they're two years old interested, 12 years old interested. I need to push it. And so that's exactly what I did. And so we had um, over like five pop-up shops. I have three kids who started in like maybe third or fourth grade. They have LLCs now. Wow, um, wow, wow, wow. so like it's, it's a real deal where they're just like really pushing their brand at such a young age. And then I see them like now going in high school. Now they're coming back to the program and like, okay, who can I mentor for you, Miss Kia? Wow. So it's like it's coming around full circle and that's what I was meant to, to do. Like, I don't see nothing outside of this, but to like keep providing programs for kids like that. Talk a little bit about because this is this is so this is so dope. Oh God, this is so mm-hmm. dope. Talk a little bit about how how are you able to get funding to do this? Because running a nonprofit is not easy. I have one. It's on pause on on purpose because you gotta have the right people that have a passion for people. Yes. And you're dealing with kids. So not only do they have to have a passion for people, but they got to have a passion for parents and kids. <laughs> so 
How were you able to secure funding and support? Double homicide. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, double kill. Um, All right. So for one, like Bobby, just being close to like the community, I'd never had like a bad like parent experience. Got it. Like all my parents really love me. Got it. And I love them too. Yeah. And I think because like it's hard to find good people for your kids. Right. And once you find someone you trust with your kids, they're always going to come back. Facts. Always. And so like I use that to my power in my power when I, I write grants. And then I also You write I, your own? I write my own grants. Yo, this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, yeah. So once I figured out like just a nonprofit realm, I was like, oh, we do need that funding. I do have the support already from my community. Um, let me go after it. Um, and so once I started writing grants, we were getting like really small ones, like maybe fifteen hundred dollars. That's a lot in the nonprofit world. Yeah, it is a lot. For a small yeah. startup situation mm-hmm. to just get the people to give you that. Yeah. Because they'll make you have to do the most work for the littlest amount of oh, money. yeah. $500 is like a, a 30-page Ain't no way. Ain't no yeah, way. Yeah, it's just Ain't too no much. Way. Yeah. So, but I had the time to put into it. And I, I knew I needed that funding yeah. to push the programs. Um, And so once I found out, like, how to actually apply for these grants, because mm-hmm. I was getting denied when I first started. Yeah. I was like, oh, I just have to tailor some things. Like, let me give them what they're asking for. See, a lot of people, they go after these these grants. And because it's like an open funding opportunity, mm-hmm. they're just going to give you the money. That's not it. Like, are you reading the questions? Do, does your business even apply to this grant? Like, do you think they'll fund your program? if they're not looking for that type of program to fund. Wow. So you really have to like go through like your RFPs or just like what they're looking for, the types of kids they want to pro- mm-hmm. um, support, the communities they want to support. Um, if you're connected with the schools, they'll definitely support you. And, and tell them what RFPs are too for our audience. Um, those are just like the, the background or the, uh, like, uh, it's like, the description of the grant. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And it tells you, like, the deadline. It tells you, like, the criteria okay. and all that good stuff. Okay. Um, so read those. Don't skip over them. I know it's, like, a 20-page um, paper or document. Yeah. But read it. Read every page because yeah. sometimes they give you the cheat codes. Yeah. Like, they tell you don't request over 50000 and then here you are, here you are putting a grant application for 100000 Automatic deny because... You didn't read. Yeah, you didn't read it. That's the chokehold that's on our community. Because <laughs> I tell everybody, like, first of all, for, if anybody knows, the, the secret to, like, so I, I'm a best-selling author, and, and the secret to books that I've learned is that most people put the answers in the back of the book. But let's think about it. When we were in school, where did you find the answers? Exactly. In the back of the book. Mm-hmm. Whether they were all the odd numbers or all the even numbers or all of the numbers, all of the answers have always been in the back of the book. Most of us don't get to the front or the middle. <laughs> And we were like, all right, this book trash. I'm good. Right. Most of us don't even read the book. Yeah. So for you to say, especially as a black woman, as an African-American woman, you say, read. Our community does not want to read. Oh. We want it on reality TV shows. We want it in, in, in rap lyrics that don't have anything to do with what we're trying to get to or get past. And then we wait until we have riots and somebody then died that we all of a sudden want to make great music. <laughs> About something that's substantial. So to hear you say read, you have my, oh, my utmost respect. Yeah. Yes, please keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. Read, read. Please read. Um, so 
that that's that was like a gold mine. Once I figured out like how to get grants, I was like, okay, now how can I move away from being grant dependent? Because mm. I don't want to rely on filling out all this paperwork. Child is tiring. Yeah, like I just don't feel like doing this. So I was like, I need my programs in the schools. For one, they're hubs of the communities I'm looking for, where I can bring kids and families together, and I don't have to do too much going outside of this. That's where I need to be. Um, and so I was like, yeah, NBC, that's that's going to be uh, an enrichment program. Yeah. Um, and so my first uh, contract was with uh, elementary school. And I was just running the before school program. Um, and then the principal was like, this is dope. Like, right. we got pop-up shops. The kids love it. And you doing this all in the hour and a half in the morning? I was like, yeah, this, this is simple to me. And he was like, oh, no, let me call it. Yeah. Principals are regular people, mm -hmm. and they have a network full of people. Yeah, 100%. And so once I got connected um, with my first enrichment um, partner, he really pushed me out there. And so now I'm at like six different locations and I only been in the school system for a year. I know you lie. Yeah. I know you lie. <laughs> I know you lie. I've only been in the school system for a year and it's moving to a point where now I have to keep building, like keep growing, like build my team now, build my board members. And so like, it's, it's really blowing up like rapidly. Wait, have you been doing all this by yourself? I have. I really have. What is your excuse at this point? Like, <laughs> she been doing all this by herself. Yeah. She made me feel like I ain't doing enough. I'm not doing enough at this point. I'm not doing enough. Like, what? A, a, a year, six schools, and you did it all by yourself. And now you're in a position where you're like, yo, I have to figure out how to build my team. Okay, there's always one misconception. Nonprofits, how do they pay? Okay. The the ownership of it, how do you how do you survive? Because you are a full-time entrepreneur, so you have to make sure that you still are living so that way you don't burn out from doing God's work, basically. Yeah. How do you be able to sustain yourself in these situations? So as an entrepreneur, you know you have to wear many hats. You got to know the finances. You got to know administrative. You have to know your personnel. Mm -hmm. You got to know a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so by me like actually working in my program, then working the back scene, um, I was able to learn a lot of different things through trial and error um, because when I first started out, I wasn't paying myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, shoot, no, I got to get some of this. Hello? And so when I would make my proposals, I would really just write in myself as like a director or something like got an it. executive director. Got it, got it. Because they're going to pay you. Like one thing about schools, they got the money, okay? Especially, <laughs> look, city schools, public schools, charter schools, they got the funding, so run me write, my coins. Yes. Write your salary in that proposal so that they know exactly where their money is going. To What's work. the average salary for an executive de director? Close to 80 to 100,000. Yeah. Huh? Let me go figure out how to write me in something real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get somebody. Yeah. This is crazy. Or you can even find a grant that only pay for your personnel. What? Yes, they would pay for your staff. There were so many grants that went out, especially during COVID and post-COVID, right. that went out for, like, your staff. If uh, you were looking to hire, I know um, the MOED office, they yeah. gave out, like, up to 20000 just wow. off of your employees. And it was a reimbursement type of thing. So, like, you could have your workers work, and then you pay them, and then you get reimbursed. So it's, <sighs> it's so many ways to, like, get money for your people. And then have money for your your program. You just have to know like which grant to. I have learned tag. a lot today. I really have. Okay, <laughs> I have to ask this question because, you know, you being a a woman in this industry, um, it gets 
we get overlooked a lot. Yeah. Um, and we honestly have to do more hmm. at times to to get more. Yeah. At times. Um, have you had any pushback um when it comes to once they find out you're the person that's running it? I want to say no, um, because I've been able to sell myself just based off my story. Okay. And then I also know the right mentors to keep around me. So mm. I know what to say, when to say it, who to approach, when to approach them, what's their buzz, what's their trigger. Yeah. Um, really, and that's probably because I was a psych major, just really getting to know people. Got period. it. Um, so like just putting myself in front of like the right crowd has definitely helped me in a way where I don't feel like I'm being rejected yeah. or um, like I don't get that that pushback. I right. may get delayed, but it's just because maybe that wasn't the right time. Got it. Um, but again, I'm, I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely want to say like just keeping the right people around you has helped me tremendously. That's key. Um, and even when like I do fail, I always meet someone else like, oh, yeah, you could have just did it this way. Like it's so simple for them. And I wish I would have met them before I even approached it the right. first time. Right. Um, and so, again, that's probably just God like, yeah, you just needed to fail. Right. Yeah, biblically, you take one step. He takes two. Exactly. It's crazy because it's. It's so crazy how your story has already looped itself because in the beginning you said you hung around the wrong crowd. <laughs> and now you're saying, yo, I realize how hanging around the right crowd also gets me my answers, Absolutely. my solutions, my results. So, yes. and, and it's not failing, actually. It's learning lessons and saying, all right, now we're going to implement. Yes. And now you're actually getting the execution. The next, So you have a building that's getting ready to open up. Talk about the building. NBC Multipurpose Center. This is I'm, crazy. I'm so excited for it because when you look at Baltimore Parks and Recs, mm -mm. I mean, be honest. Let's talk about it. Man, I mean, you got some centers that's just been open. They whole lot of promises. What? Under delivering. You know what? Baltimore Parks and Recs probably get so many um, like grants and funding just off the of state. Federal, like they get a lot of money. Mm -hmm. The question is, where is it going? Mm -hmm. And and when questions that he answers. Yeah, where is it going? Because we don't have programs for the kids, and if they do, you close in the recs at four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Like, when do they actually get to participate in right. these? Um, and then when you even think about like what's new, what's relevant? Okay, so they got a new uh, rec down in uh, Cherry Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, South Baltimore, mm -hmm. they are thinking about keeping this center open until like midnight. Mm -hmm. So now we have another question. Who's supervising these kids if it's open till midnight? Also, why is it only one center being renovated at a time when y'all get a bunch of funding for stuff like this? Second of all, how do we even put word of mouth to the youth? I'm going to just look at y'all while she talks. programs. Um, how do you get this information out there to them? Not many of them, if you look at your urban population, they don't have cell phones or their parents don't have cell phones. And if they do, it's the it's the the the, the free phones. Mm -hmm. the, yeah, they get those. Gotcha. And so they can't receive They used to call those jitterbugs. Yeah. Commercials. So <laughs> it's like, how are you getting this information out there to the kids? Yeah. And so like, and then you also have to think about your directors who are in these centers. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah, and so... Or how are they getting trained? Exactly. And so when I think about just, like, the the Baltimore Parks and Recs, just the structure and how they, they operate, I'm just like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And so that's why I, like, created a space where 
my community actually has say so in what goes on in my center. Yeah. So like I have the programs, but this program isn't going to look like we in the school. This program may only look like this for the 1600 block of North Carolina. Like it's only for them. And I think it's, it's more like an intimate type of thing. Got it. Um, and it, it makes them more likely to engage in the programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you think about like, how's the information getting out there? Why well, just have to market the way they will receive it. Whether right. That's word of mouth posting things on a basketball court, going door to door, handing out flyers. Yeah. I'm going to get the information out there because this is a resource. And that's what Baltimore Parks and Recs, they fail to forget that yeah. this is a resource center at the end of the day. Yep. You should have ac- educational programs, recreational sports, mental health resources, yeah. food resources, housing resources. You should have every resource in there for a community center, you know? She talking spicy yeah, right now. So I just got to let her go. <laughs> <laughs> got to let her go. That's exactly what I want to do in the multi-purpose center. Just when is it open? Um, June 26th. That's uh, our opening day. Yo, okay. <laughs> so before we get out of here, they got to be able to come to the event. They got to come to the opening day. They got to be able to register their kid. Um, summer enrichment programs are already loading up. How can they get in contact with you or how can they follow you? How can they can join the movement? Follow us on Instagram, Natural Born Champions. Also, look us up um, on our, our online. Um, you can just Google us, Natural Born Champions. Um, and just, yeah, just see what we're about. The vision is already online. So once if um, you go online and just see the vision, it's only a click away to sign up. That's insane. First of all, thank you, my kid, because you are, you are doing. You're not trying, you're doing. Uh, and it's so funny how, and, and not even just funny, it's, it's amazing to see how your story has come and lapped full circle where you were so involved in your own education and you, you, you're utilizing what everyone loves, which is sports, and taking it and saying, all right, listen, even though I really didn't want to get there in that sports level, mm-hmm. I still realized that I could have gotten there and they could have paid me off of my academic as well. And that's the most important part, especially in an underprivileged area like Baltimore itself. So I just want to commend you. You're doing some phenomenal stuff. I'm not doing enough. That's what I've taken away from this interview. <laughs> I'm not doing enough. Thank you. We keeping up with you. We're going to pull yes. up. We got to pull up on the enrichment yes, programs, everything. Definitely. Thank you. I really appreciate this platform. I think you're doing an awesome job. And Thank I, you. I really hope you catch that fire you're looking for. <laughs> you will. I know you will. We appreciate you. All right. You know what to do. Like, comment, subscribe, share. Uh, follow Natural Born Champions right now. Tap in with it. And uh, until next season, we are out.